Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of How to Live the Podcast, where we have a real meaningful and fun conversations with people who inspire us. And sometimes we just have them with each other. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon, and I for one am feeling very relaxed today because I've just been on a little five-day holiday. Ah. So nice. I think we all need to keep remembering that it is okay to take your annual leave in 2020. Mm, That is such a solid reminder. I feel like no one has taken any leave. I've taken a week, but that was back in like June and I'm already like, I need another week. I know. And like you feel kind of guilty about it for some reason because... I don't know why, because we've all been at home, I guess. So it's like, oh, why would I need leave? But no, it's actually really important to be remembering to take a break from work. We all need it as much as we ever have, if not way, way more. Am I right? Yeah. And it's funny because there's definitely this thing around, oh, I'm just at home anyway. I'm just going to save my leave and I'm just going to save it Mm -hmm. so I can use it at a sunnier day. And that is not how we should be thinking at all because what that results in is hectic fatigue. And I am definitely feeling hectically fatigued. Like we're being bombarded by news every day that doesn't make us feel that good. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. It's an exhausting way to live right now. So if anything, we should be taking the leave right now. Exactly. Even a couple of extra days, just sleep in, just hang out in bed. We all need that too. Explore what's on Netflix. (laughs) Whatever's going to rejuvenate you, you do it. Well, this was a little bit of a side tangent that we went on because this isn't what today's episode is about. Not at all. Today's episode, ooh. So every week that we sit down to record one of these episodes, we have like a list bank in my phone that we refer to. What should we talk about today? And every single week it starts with feminist reflections. And then we're like, "Mm, not yet. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's time for that. That's what we usually say. Yeah. But today is the day, my friends, feminist reflections. This is something that came up because we started reflecting on all of the beauty services that we actually stopped using during COVID and all of the money that we were saving because of all the things we weren't doing, like getting our nails done and putting makeup on and getting rid of body hair and eyelashes, haircuts, dyeing gray hair, facials, everything. And so we just wanted to have a little chat about the things in our lives that we sort of accept as we have to do this, but we started to question why do we have to do this and what would life be like if we didn't do this? So stick around until the end of the episode to hear who is on next week. And hear us do quick fires for once. Oh yes, quick fires are back. Let's get into today's episode. So big news coming out of the US a couple of weeks ago now that Joe Biden announced his running mate is a woman. Yes, you guys, a woman and an incredible black and South Asian woman. Her name, of course, is Kamala Harris. And actually doing some research, I didn't know this, call me ignorant, call me blind to what is going on. I didn't know that not only has there not been a female president in the US, there hasn't even been a female vice president. What up, you guys? Well, 
It's a really interesting one and I feel conflicted about it because obviously I'm excited and like the rest of social media and hopefully the world really behind this duo. But I mean, I think that it's definitely worth exploring why this isn't more common and why it is such a cause for celebration because while it is a really beautiful and exciting thing, it shouldn't be this rare. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of like a bit of a reminder that women have come so far, but we still have such a long way to go because while women are running businesses more, while women are in incredible high-paying jobs more, it's still such a rarity. And I think that to look at leadership is kind of indicative of what's going on in a larger sense. And so I think for us to look at that and look at years and decades and centuries of leadership in the most powerful country in the world and to see one woman ever has been potentially even, not even yet, but potentially a vice president It's awesome and we're celebrating that, but we want more. We want more. And it's worth to say that even in Australia where we live, we've only ever had one female prime minister. She wasn't even voted in, Julia Gillard, and she was treated terribly. And then when we do have one, then people turn around and they say, well, you had one. What are you complaining about? And it's like, yeah, what? There have been a zillion men. Why is there only been one woman? It just makes no sense. And this is at a very high level, but I think that what we love to analyze and talk about between the two of us is our favorite topic of combo is just these little day-to-day things that really make up the fabric of this society that only allows for one female prime minister in Australia. You know, there are so many things that happen throughout our days, throughout our weeks, little, even internalized sexist behaviors that we as females have that really cause this ultimate crappiness in our society. There, I said it. I think it's crappy. Sing it, sister. Yeah, you did. Let's get into this. I love talking about this. We have so many conversations about it. So where to even begin? I'm just going to say it. I didn't bring makeup with me to Byron Bay. Oh my goodness. Did you get a fine when you got there? (laughs) Well, I have gone out to more dinners than I expected to go out. I think when I left Melbourne, I was in this like, we, we don't go out or do anything kind of phase that I'd been in in Melbourne. And to be fair, I was planning to leave Melbourne, but had to pack up a few days early and leave on the fly. So I did have to just make some very quick decisions. And I thought, why am I going to take up room with makeup? And It was an interesting decision because now when I've been out to a few dinners, I've been like, oh, well, I've got a pimple. I wish I had some concealer or like, you know, I'd love to kind of be able to fill in my eyebrows. And then I go out and it's like, well, none of the men had to do that. And makeup's a really interesting one. And we actually did like a much lengthier video with us and our team on Instagram a little while ago about why all of us in the office actually have gone pretty makeup free over the last number of years, all for different reasons, really. And something that really I had explored is this idea of I felt like when I wasn't wearing makeup to work, I was being unprofessional. 
I felt like when I wasn't wearing makeup to work, I looked tired and I looked like I wasn't making any effort. And for a while, it was a feeling that I had, but then I also felt like people around me were perpetuating that idea. And then it wasn't until I really stepped back and analyzed that and started to look at Elliot going out the door to work and he looked just as disheveled as I did, but no one was going to say anything to him and no one was going to think anything about it. And what do you mean disheveled? Like he'd brushed his hair, he'd washed his face. I don't know. He just looked a bit tired. Like he just had bags underneath his eyes, which I am always like, I must cover the bags. Not allowed to have bags, not Mm. allowed to show that. Mm And then one day I just went, screw that. I'm not doing this anymore. I hate wearing makeup. I actually hate it. I'm like one of those weird people that even if I've been wearing it for five hours, I can literally feel it sitting on my face. I despise it. And so I'm not Mm. doing it anymore. Yeah, good for you. I think for me, it took a lot to stop wearing makeup, particularly because I had bad skin. I had, to me, it was a lot of acne. I don't even know what other people thought, but if I had 10 or 20 pimples on my face, I would just feel so deeply embarrassed and ashamed about it. And I felt like I needed to cover that up always. We would wear like this thick foundation every time we went out. And even when I got to a point where I was okay with the girls in the office seeing me without makeup, anytime we would have a meeting, I would quickly put on foundation because I was so, so embarrassed by what I looked like. And that is just something that men don't have to think about. And I think also the conversation that I've had with some men Elliot, for example, he and I love to debate these sorts of things. And he would say to me, just a little bit to be devil's advocate, you know. He loves being devil's advocate. He loves it. Well, if I had bad skin as a man, I would love the luxury to be able to cover it up. And that's what women have that men don't. And I said to him, there's a really stark difference between those two things. One is a choice and one is an expectation. Mm. And we're not saying that you can't choose to wear makeup. We're saying what's fucked up about this society is that as a woman, you are expected to cover up your flaws. And as a man, you aren't. And there's the disconnect. Exactly. And so I think that all of these things that we've realized in ISO that we were paying a lot of money for to get done and we were spending a lot of our time on, you know, like women, we got to raise the kids and do the work and have time to like take care of ourselves. And all of these things that we are spending our time and money and energy on, it's okay if you want to do those things. It's totally fine. You know, like if you love those things and they make you feel great, awesome, do them. We are not saying don't do them. And we still do a lot of them too. But we're just saying that it's really important to think about why we do these things and to question everything and to constantly reevaluate what is the reason behind this. 100%. So makeup is a really big one, obviously. And another one, I think for me, that I realized I spend so much, not only time and money, but pain, pain, my friends, I spend pain on this, is body hair removal. Oh my goodness. Leg waxing. I usually shave my underarms. Brazilian waxing. I don't actually wax my eyebrows. I stopped doing that years ago, but every time I get a facial, they just say, can I just pluck those few that are out of place? And I'm like, no, because then I'm just going to have to pluck them again in two months and I don't want to and it hurts. (laughs) I like have like a little fuzzy bit 
above my lip that I've never done anything about, but I know a lot of people wax out and that's bloody painful. Sometimes people ask me if they can wax that on me and I'm like, that's rude. No, you can't. (laughs) You're like, I am Moroccan and I wear that on my face proudly. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so for me, I realize I dread getting a Brazilian wax. I dread it. I take panadine before I go to get a wax. I avoid it. I'll often make an appointment and then cancel it like four times before I actually go and get it. Why am I doing this to myself? Why? So I actually decided, I didn't even decide. I just guess that in lockdown number one, my body hair grew out. I stopped doing anything about it. Oh my God, it makes me even embarrassed to say it, but I am saying these things that make me so uncomfortable. And when we spoke to a Logvade Menon earlier this year, I actually chatted to them about this and they had some really, really amazing wisdom to share on it. So definitely recommend. And they are somebody that makes me feel like, all right, if they can, you know, be whoever they want to be, wear these awesome little sexy outfits and have body hair everywhere, good for them. They make me feel empowered to be able to do that too. I love that. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that I don't feel embarrassed. So, oh, we're going to go there. We're going to go yeah, there, guys. Yeah, give us so, a story. Give us a story. Oh, do I have a story? Firstly, my legs have not done a single thing to them since the beginning of COVID. So I've gone au natural. Being March? Being March. And probably I hadn't done anything since January. So that's 2020 for you. Good for you. And being that I've waxed my legs so much for such a long time, as Renan puts it, I have weird looking leg hair. <laughs> it's like really sparse in some areas. It's really long in other areas. <laughs> it's just all over the place. It's fucking sexy. <laughs> but you know what? No one ever analyzes the way a guy's hair grows. No one ever does. But the thing is, I'm so embarrassed about this that even when I've been in Byron and it's 24 degrees today outside, I have not gone out in a dress unless we're going to a remote beach and only Renan is going to see me. And even then, I feel his judgmental stares every time I put my legs out. That is just my legs. Let's get to my underarms. Well, I shave my underarms usually, but during COVID, I was just like, "Mm, why would I do that? Like I was, you know, wearing long sleeves every day. And then I ended up with the longest underarm hair that I've ever had. Oh my God, this makes me so uncomfortable to say. I just want to name it. I'm so proud of you right now. Thank you. I love it. You're much more okay with body hair. I feel like the five years younger thing is a semi-generational thing. I reckon. My underarms are so hairy, like bush hairy. And I kind of love it. Like, I think it's hilarious. I get a weird kick when I have underarm hair. I like to play with it. I like to touch it. Like, I don't know what it is. (laughs) I really like it. Having this underarm hair, I just started to really reflect on why it's so not okay to have underarm hair as a woman. And definitely the looks that Renan would give me when it started to grow out started to get me thinking about it. And he would look at me like, what is that? And I would be like, oh, what is that? I'm so embarrassed. But I noticed that when I was on my own, just me in my bathroom on my own, I didn't give a shit. (laughs) I was like, I am au natural, baby. This is me. But then the second there was anybody else involved, oh no. I went out one time in Byron in a singlet, but like I've kept my arms tightly shut. Anyway, so the other day, I was in the bathroom and like I've definitely consciously been hiding it from Renan because I know how he feels about it. And I just like forgot and took my top off or something and he gave me a look 
And he kind of laughed. He was like, oh, you're growing out your underarms again. <laughs> and I was like, I felt so embarrassed. I think at the time I was just like, yes. And then like stormed out of the room or something like that. But I went to him the next day and I was like, hey. And this was like a big deal for me. And I'd been thinking about it. It'd been on my mind. I didn't want to say anything, but I was like, I have to say something. And I was like, hey, when you look at my underarms and you laugh, it really makes me feel like I'm not free to just be who I am. And it makes me feel really self-conscious. And he knew. He knew that he had done the wrong thing. The second he'd done it, I knew he knew. And he reflected on himself and he said, yeah, I know and I'm really sorry and it's something that I know I have to work on. And I realized that the story that's been ingrained in me is that when you grow out your body hair, that you don't care about me and, you know, looking good for me, but more than that, you don't care about yourself. You know, you stop to take care of yourself. And I just thought that was so, so interesting to really just stop and acknowledge, okay, what are the stories that we've been telling ourselves that society has taught us to tell ourselves about something that is so, so natural? Mm, That's so true. And then the blame is taken off of you. The blame is taken off of Renan. Neither of you are bad people. We've grown up in this society that's taught us the wrong thing. And so as long as you guys are able to have that open and honest conversation, then that is the way forward. Because if we get angry at the men who believe the lies of the society that we grew up in, I don't think that that's the solution. We need to educate them. We need to rationalize with them. We need to say things like, this is the way I was born. Just like this is the way you were born. Like Elliot has the hairiest chest, the hairiest back, whatever. Not for one moment in our relationship have I made him feel any sort of bad about that. I don't love it. You know, it's not like my vibe, but that's how he was born. So I shouldn't make him feel bad about that. But I feel like in history, it's only gone one way and it needs to start going both ways. For sure. And I think it's important to say that men are affected by our systems too, even though a lot of it results in females having to change the way they are or having to do certain things. It definitely doesn't create a culture where men are free to be who they want to be as well. If Renan wants to shave off all his body hair and wear body glitter all over his body, He would receive judgment for doing that. And I think that a big part of this is all of us letting go of these judgments and of saying you have to be this one certain way. Yes, exactly. Think about bikini lines and people at the beach. If you saw somebody's pubic hair sticking out of their bikini bottoms, you would just be like, oh, gross. But if men are at the beach and they're wearing a Speedo, they've got hair all over. They're so hairy. And it's just really crazy. I'm not there yet. I'm not going to go do that. (laughs) But even the most feminist people that I see on my Instagram feeds go alok, but most of the feminist people that I see on my Instagram feeds aren't even doing that. So I just feel like there's such deep embedded things here that we have such a long way to grow. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, yes, we do have such deep embedded things. And that's what I have been thinking about this week. So much of what we talk about now around females making waves and society making waves, it's like at an older level, at a management level and at a political level and at a business level. And maybe it's just also because I don't have kids. So like, that's not really where my head is at. But more and more over the last few weeks, I've started thinking about all of the little things that happen to us as children in our really formative years that create the society that ultimately doesn't allow us to have body hair or not wear makeup. And the reason I actually started thinking about that was because Elliot made me watch this movie, Remember the Titans. It's a really old movie with Denzel Washington and it's about a football team. I think it was in the 60s when they started to take away the segregation of blacks and whites and they brought them together to be in this football team. And it's a high school football team. And I just watched the movie. It's really fantastic. But I watched it from the perspective of having never played any form of group sport growing up. And I did bits and pieces, you know, like I was in the school netball team or whatever. But I was just watching how these young men were experiencing such integral things through this sport, teamwork, learning how to work hard, learning perseverance, learning a thick skin, learning how to make friends with somebody that you don't necessarily have everything in common with. Just like so many life skills that I feel like me as a girl growing up in the society that I did, I did not have those same experiences growing up. When my classmates were off at their team sport, I was sitting by myself in art class and exploring creativity. Not to say that that's a bad thing. It helped me be in touch with my emotions and create a really whole compassionate human being. But I just became so interested in this idea of the things that we were encouraged to do when we were younger created these like really warm, loving, caring little girls. And what the boys were taught to do was working towards goals and creating a future for themselves that they wanted. And it's just these polarizing things. And it's not that one is better than the other, but I think that we both need to be taught both. And Mm. it's just super interesting in this time as well. You know, there's so much coming out around how if you live in a country right now in Corona 2020 and the country is run by a woman, you're a lot better off right now. And I feel like it's because of all of the things that we as little girls were taught to do. We're caretakers. We love each other. We're mothers. You know, that's what we do. But that's not how we were born. That's what we were taught. And so it just blew my mind when I started to think about that because In a society that values hard work, determination, and grit, when the boys are at football learning to do hard work, determination, and grit, 
of course, they are the ones that are going to thrive in this society. It blew my fucking mind. (laughs) Totally. That is so, so true. And then I started looking at my own life as well and thinking, where am I also feeding into this? And something that came up for me is still the financial thing. I don't know, since we spoke to Zoe Lamont, the incredible co-founder of Verve Super, we chatted to her about a year ago about educating women in their finances. And it was a really interesting conversation and I left feeling super inspired. But honestly, still in my own life, I'm nowhere on finances. Mm. Elliot and I have started looking at investing in some shares, which I've have no idea about but because the state of the world is as it is we were like oh maybe you know with the markets crashing and stuff maybe it's a good time to get in but like again I just bowed out of all conversations and I was like can you just do it for us same yeah why do I do that and then I looked it up and I read this survey in 2019 that was conducted by UBS Global Wealth Management that said 58% of women said they leave all big financial decisions to their spouses. And the percentage was actually larger in women aged 20 to 34. So the younger women were the ones who were doing it even more. Wow, that is so interesting. And I think you're so right that it starts at this really early level. And I think that was what Zoe chatted about too, with the money, with the sports and that team mentality. So many of these things start from when we are so young and then it becomes so hard to change them as we get older. And I think that what we have to do as we get older is constantly question and constantly reevaluate and constantly say, okay, wait, I'm not looking after the finances. That doesn't mean I can't be. There's no room for this is the way we've always done things. So this is the way that we're going to do them. Even within your own life, even if I've always done things this way, doesn't mean that I can't change the way that I'm doing things. I think as humans, we get so stuck in our ways. Oh, well, I always wax my legs. Of course, I'm always going to keep waxing my legs. But no, there is actually an opportunity wherever you are in your life, wherever you are right now to actually stop and question, why am I doing this? Is there another way? There must be another way. When you're talking about sport, it just reminded me as well that all of the sport that is watched on TV is mainly men, Mm. mainly men playing the sports. That's where all the money is. That's what everyone wants to see. Even when it comes to cooking, women are still a lot of the time expected to do the cooking. But when it comes to chefs, oh, the chefs are the men. Yes. Because that's where all the money is. (laughs) (laughs) That's so screwed up. Even can I tell you with yoga teachers, I've started reflecting on this in myself, talking about internalized sexism. All my favorite yoga teachers are guys. And that (gasps) is something inside of my brain. Sorry, because there are so many wonderful female yoga teachers out there. And I love some of them so much. But as a woman, I prefer to be told what to do by a man. What the fuck? Oh, what the fuck, baby? That is such a good one. That's really screwed up, right? That's so screwed up. Mm. Okay. And I feel the need to bring up this One other point before we do wrap up. 
This is something we talk about in the office a lot and it's disagreed about, but I think it's just interesting to even notice is the fact that when women get married, they are very commonly expected to take on a man's last name. And this is a very controversial topic. And if you have taken on a man's last name, as most of our mothers have, that's okay. We are not putting anybody down. We don't judge you. We don't judge anyone. This is a judgment-free zone as illustrated by the fact that I just told you how much body hair I have. But I think it's really important to think about the fact that this has obviously come from a history of men owning women, of women just assuming a man's identity when they take it on. And I know that obviously it's awesome that babies and women and a man can, a family can all have the same last name. But even the women that now I know have started not to take on the man's last name most of the time, their kids will take on the man's last name. It's just assumed. And I just think this is a conversation that when Jessica and I bring up, it's a hot controversial topic and we don't intend to offend anyone by bringing this up, but we just think it's really important that it is something that we think about. I do know a couple of people who have hyphenated their last names and given the baby hyphenated names or even a couple of people that we know have mushed their last names together and then the kids have had that. I think it's something that's so unquestioned Mm. and when things are so, so deeply unquestioned like that, they're dangerous because it is just one of those things that is deep, deep, deeply rooted down in our society that nobody is questioning. 100%. And this is my favorite topic of conversation. (laughs) I was actually thinking about it this morning, talking about internalized sexism. I was hashing out a scenario in my mind. I have no idea why. I don't even want kids right now. But I was hashing out a scenario in my mind where what if Elliot didn't want to take my name and I didn't want to take his name. Then we had kids. We had to figure out whose name they had. Then they took my name, right? So I had baby dad on. Yeah, cute little baby dad on. And then instinctively I thought to myself, but he won't feel as connected to the baby. How screwed up is that that I had that feeling? I'm expected that it would have his last name and I feel as connected because I carried it because I'm the mother because all of the expectations fall on me. But the moment it has my last name, then I'm giving a dad another reason not to feel connected to their baby. Isn't that screwed? Really screwed. Anyway, if anyone has any thoughts on this, share them with us. Let us know what's happened to you. What do you think about this whole conversation? Interested to know your thoughts Why don't you come and chat to us on How to Live the Podcast on Facebook? We can have a conversation about it there. And Instagram, How to Live the Podcast too. Okay, let's get into some quick fires. Okay. Number one is what is your favorite book that you have read lately? Written by a woman, of course. My favorite book is by far Untamed by Glennon Doyle. But I will say I have started reading her first book because I loved her third book so much. So now I'm going to read the three. So if anyone wants to join me, I mean, they're all as amazing as each other. Number one, she's at a different place in her life, but it's just as fascinating. And she just gets the experience of being a woman. 
What about you? I'm going to have to give a shout out to my favorite meditation teacher, Tara Brock. I like to read books really slowly and lots at the same time. And at the moment, among other books, I'm reading her book, Radical Acceptance. It is life-changing. Definitely recommend it. Okay, next question. If you had a dinner party with three women, dead or alive, who would they be? Ooh, okay. Oprah's got to be at my dinner party because I am just dying to meet Oprah. She is just the most fantastic woman to have ever graced this planet. Then I want someone really funny. I think Mindy Kaling would be there because I also had read her book recently and I just think she is so funny. I love her. Then, ooh, Malala Yousafzai because we need somebody like really intelligent and really compassionate to teach us about her ways of the world. I love that. That's such a good dinner party. Could I come? Yeah, you can just come to my dinner party if you want. Can you bring three more people? Yeah, okay. So the three people I'm going to bring are a dynamic trio, and that is Glennon Doyle, Brene Brown, and Liz Gilbert. Oh, you can sit with us. Because they're all friends, and I just want to watch the dynamic play out in front of me, and like I would love to be a fourth to their three if they'll have me. Yes, that sounds incredible. Love that. Favorite female-founded fashion label. Hmm, Sounds Beast. By our fave, Kath Wills. What a magical human being Kath is. She... Mm astounds me with her generosity every single time we speak to her. And I actually genuinely love Sands Beast and what she has created so, so much. Awesome. I love that. I'm going to go with Stella McCartney. She is just an awesome, inspiring woman. And I love the sustainability and vegan focus. Mm. Yeah. I feel like her and Kath just like super aligned as well. Oh, totally. They should be friends and we should be friends with them. (laughs) So we hope you enjoyed this episode. We would absolutely love you to help us get the word out. And you can do that by sharing this podcast with a friend that you think would love to listen to it. Also, make sure you rate us five stars in the podcast app and leave us a really nice review because we love reading them. So next week on the podcast, we have the founder of Kesta Black. That is Anna Ross. She's so wonderful. We'd actually never met her before, but always been a really big fan of her beautiful vegan nail polish. And she was just an absolute gem to interview. Take a listen. I didn't know anything about cosmetics when I went into that. And I didn't even think that there was going to be a barrier between taking a cosmetics product and putting it into a fashion store. And it's just because if you then grow up in the cosmetics industry, that's thinking outside the box. But when you're trying to solve problems in an industry that you know nothing about, it's just natural, like it's an innate kind of problem solving that you have. And I've always seen in fashion specifically that the people who make it in fashion never studied fashion. They're never bound by those rules. They just come in, they they usually study architecture or sculpture or something like that. And they're always super, super, super successful because they're not um, restricted by their knowledge. That's next week right here on How to Live the Podcast. We hope you have a beautiful week. Make sure that you schedule in some annual leave for yourself and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.